1: We'll do it yeah i won't we won't and, go any longer than than an hour tops
0: um yeah got about an hour that's it yeah um, on those questions so probably the best thing to do is uh, um actually let me see if i can pull up on my email here real quick yeah um, otherwise i'm gonna say have you just um asked me what the yeah. questions were but i on, can, I, think I, I, can.
1: I can read them to you if you want
0: yeah maybe that might be easier because i'll sit here and fucking read them and uh
1: <laughs> yeah i'll read it to you
0: um yeah, I don't even see them right now. <clears throat> okay. All right. Um, yeah. Yeah, let's, so let's just, uh, yeah, we'll just make it that.
1: Yeah, there's only, yeah, there's only, there's <coughs> 21, so I mean, we could be. <laughs> well, some, could be of
0: those quest, some of those questions, I'll probably be able to combine them or answer Those yeah. at time. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. So I don't know what most of these abbreviations mean, but um, okay. Question for Dale. What is his thoughts on how the DOD is increasingly orienting itself towards being SOF centric, centric in most of their combat operations? I don't know. Uh,
0: yeah, so um, so here's my thoughts, right? Um, as, you know, being a soft unit, SF, it's sexy, but I think what's happening is, uh, you know, you got people out there, commanders out there that think that, oh, let's just make everybody special forces. But the reality is, um, you hear me okay? Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. I was just checking.
0: Yeah. So um, the the reality is, you know, special forces. Everybody can't be special forces. They seem to think like, oh, we'll just make everybody now special force. We'll make you special. When actually, um, being a special force is not about the the gear and the mission as much as it's about the individual in it, right? Certain, you know, you got to have certain qualities and characteristics for guys to be, you know, special forces. uh, you know, whether Green Berets or whatever the hell they are. Um, So, and I hate to use the word operator because, you know, you know, that, that, that term has been hijacked. So originally operator goes way back. There's an operator and operative, right? So in Delta Force, you know, originally what happened was we were called Delta Force operators for a reason um, because we actually, as an operator, you were one, you were a soldier, Okay, and you dressed like a soldier. You did everything a soldier does. You fell under UCFJ. Then two, you also worked for other government agencies, right? And under their under the guise of working for them, you credential through them. Um, so if, you know when you're working for them, you're not necessarily yeah. U.S. Army anymore. And the third one was we were also required to work, uh, you know, in the guise of a civilian, right, uh-huh. unaffiliated with the government, right. So you, you wore you were kind of like this Jason Board MacGyver yeah. guy. You wore different hats all the time. So what do we call a guy like that? We call him an operator, right? Um, and that's how the term came. not only that, um, you know, there are issues with uh, promotions, right? So, if, for example, if uh, I'm an 18 Bravo, 18 Zulu, Green Beret, and I'm in Delta Force, okay, when my records go in front of the promotion board, okay, who am I competing against? Okay, I'm competing against other Green Berets, but how can I compete against them when we have different jobs, different missions? Mm. Um, You know, they're doing their Green Beret thing. I'm doing the Delta Force thing, right? So they had to distinguish the Delta Force operator from everybody else. And so we were evaluated differently, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, so – I guess it's kind of a sexy name because then now everybody calls himself. Well, I've even heard cops call themselves SWAT operators, you know, <laughs> Marine operators, you know, everybody's an operator now, a special forces operator, you know, look, if you're a Green Beret, you're just a Green Beret, If you're a SEAL, you're a SEAL, you know, if you're a Marine, you're a Marine, um, if you're a Ranger, you're a Ranger. You know, if you're a paratrooper, you're a paratrooper. You're not a paratrooper operator. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I, but everybody wants the cool name, but they don't want to do the hard work to get or to earn it, right? Yeah. So it's Just like the Green Beret, you know, you want a Green Beret? Yeah, you know, go earn a damn thing, you know? Yeah. And uh, anyway, so what, what do I think about it? Uh, to answer your question, you know, Special Forces has its place. Special Forces is a force multiplier. Um, the reality is this. Yeah, I think Special Forces are more effective than conventional units, especially today. You know, all we have to do is look at, you know, the war with the Russians in Afghanistan, the Mujahideen, you know, wearing sandals and AK-47s beat back, you know, a conventional Russian army, you know. Yeah. Um, actually, when you look at Afghanistan today, how long have we been there? And we're still fighting the Taliban. Why? We're trying to fight them with a conventional army and we're trying to fight unconventional dudes when we should be doing exactly what they're doing we should be using uw um guerrilla warfare to fight these guys and every time i brought it up when i was over there i was told you know basically um we you know we don't for example i remember writing a, a, a basically a, a white paper saying look you know we need to We need to start building VBIDs, We need to start parking them out and sit up in front of the compounds of these guys that we know are terrorists. Um, You know, we need to start doing the same thing they're doing Mm -hmm. to us. And, uh, you know, they came back. We're not in the business of building VPIDs, you know, and, and basically kind of like said, you know, we don't, we're not like the enemy in, in, a, in a bad way, you know. And I'm like, so I wrote back to it. Go, oh, I'm sorry. Did I call it a VPID? What I meant to call it was a wheel explosive delivery system. Does that sound better? Yeah. Right. So, you know, <laughs> you got this mindset, man, in our military, yeah. our government, you know, they just can't get their head around, you know, any of this crap. They run, try to, they try to run. Trying to run like a business, and you want to be politically correct, yeah. right? Everybody's got to be an operator. Everybody's got to have a beret. We don't do VPIDs, yeah. um, you know, and that's why, you know, even now we're still in Afghanistan fighting guys we should have dusted a long time ago. Yeah. And uh, so, but the, the key to me, the, the you know, special forces is the way to go. They're a force multiplier. Look, you can do. We a twelve man ODA special forces A team can do anything a freaking battalion can do. You give me some radios and some air support you know, some artillery support, you know, I can take a 12-man ODA and hand a division its ass, you know. Um, and so I don't have to waste a whole lot of soldiers fighting, yeah. you know. Um, you know, that's kind of going, you know, with technology the way it is today, I don't see, you know, much use for conventional armies anymore, you know, you know, large numbers of soldiers. I think the way to go now is the surgical stuff, surgical warfare. Um, why not? It's, it's we, The technology supports it. Um, you know, all we have to do is adapt our tactics to the technology and we can win. So, but, but trying to turn um, all conventional forces and make them special forces guys, that's a mistake because it just doesn't work that way because it's, it's not about the gear. Um, it's not about, you know, the, the uniform, it's not about the beret, it's not about the term operator. It's actually about the, it's actually about the heart and soul of the soldier, um, that particular soldier. Um, you know, it's, it's different. So, you know, that's, that's the only thing I have to say on that, I guess, um, Beautiful,
1: Netflix. beautiful. <laughs> Next question. Yeah. I think you kind of just said this. Do you think that you can win a large scale conflict with a small footprint of SOF and, and uh, enablers? That's what you oh, just yeah. said. Yeah. Hand a battalion. Yeah. It's ass. Yeah. <clears throat> um, how would you counter the argument that SOF, when operating in a vacuum away from a large uh, supporter, conventional force is unable to achieve long term strategic and political effects?
0: um yeah you know that's kind of one of those that's one of those thousand foot elevation type questions yeah. I think um, I still think that even with a small unit you can have is it's, you can have the same effect the same psychological psychological effect the same uh sphere of influence with a smaller unit because of what I said earlier you know it's a force multiplier mm-hmm. you use technology you just use different means um to basically um you know, expand yourself, expand your capabilities without actually expanding your numbers, you know. So, for example, psychological warfare, um, you know, using psyops campaigns, you can use is a form of force multiplication. Um, because what we're trying to do is affect um, the mindset of, of the not only the opposition, but also of the, of the populace, right? Um, it's like politics, you know, trying to sway people's ways of thinking, make the bad guys think we're going to do certain things. Um, and then every now and then reminding them that we can do certain things, mm. you know, like the bone strike, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I think, I think again, the, w- the way of these large conventional warfare and occupation um, is going the way of the dinosaur. I don't think it's necessary anymore. Um, mm. As long as we have, you know, and we keep improving our technology, man, you know, I mean, goddamn, we're, we're using drones now, you know. One day you're going to see fighter jets without pilots in it, you know. Very soon. Um, so i mean you know we're gonna be we're gonna be fighting war from space you know with lasers and stuff like that so you know we have to adapt we have to be forward thinking and uh you know and have to think way outside the box and, and you know not saying that there will never be a time for convention um there might be times for conventional forces for certain things but uh the way the world's advancing all the countries are advancing they're all catching up to us and uh and the day's going to come where, you know, we throw in a large amount of men or occupying a, a, a large amount of an area with a large amount of forces is probably no longer to be tenable or feasible.
1: Hmm. Number four, do you have any tips for young players on pushing through selection? Curious, as I'm a combat engineer in the <laughs> ADF, looking at going back to selection within the next two years. Just any tips?
0: Yeah, actually, I've got a lot of tips. Yeah. <laughs> one is never quit yeah um that's easier said than done i guess um <clears throat> and then um, two is you know pre- pre- you know preparing yourself you know a adage um uh, prior planning prevents piss poor performance is definitely an effect here you know if you i've seen guys go to selection think they're just gonna they were thought they were in good enough shape already mm-hmm. because they did you know unit pt every morning and uh you know they'll just gut it through and, and it, it turns out it wasn't uh it was easy to Cause they thought you have to prepare for something like that because it is, it's not only physically hard, it's mentally hard. And uh, what happens is when your body breaks down, your mind breaks down. If you have a weak mind, it doesn't matter how strong your body is. You're not going to make it. Um, and if you have a weak body, you know, you have a strong mind, you could probably still work your way through it, but you know, probably at a huge price. I have a friend of mine that he made it all the way through selection with two broken legs, literally broke, <laughs> broke up his legs from the outset. Made it through selection, um, got selected, but couldn't go to the unit. He spent a year in uh, convalescent leave. He had to go to Texas to get uh, rods, metal rods, put same kind of putting racehorses um, for broken legs. He basically had to go to a veterinarian and get rods, rods installed in his in his shins um, before he came back. You know, so um, he made it back. He's a good operator, but uh, you know, <clears throat> there's you know, you got to be smart. So um, interestingly, I'm gonna. <laughs> um, so I, I do performance coaching uh-huh. um, among other things with Joe Teddi from Dual Survival on the Discovery Channel, and one of the things I, I promote and I have and I've already done this is I have a uh, um, a train up program for selection. Okay, and so um, I don't give it away. It, it's you know it's actually something that's been out for about five years now, and uh, it's basically my train up program to prepare me for selection that includes. Um, what i've done since that time is i've added what would i do today differently than i did mm. back then to make it even myself even more effective so i've added a lot of other things like nutrition diet um, certain supplements etc to bolster that uh, my capability so um, i actually have that and uh, it's called soft pt and uh, it's the entire it's the entire pro- uh, program from beginning to end train up every day this is what it should look like these are your objectives these are your goals so basically it's uh, you know it basically answers all your questions. How should I train for this? And what can I do to train for it? Oh, yeah. uh, I'll give you my training program. And, and, <clears throat> you know, for me, anything, when I went through selection, there was 110 guys that tried out, um, six finished and three of us were selected. So I have 110. Okay. That happens twice a year to two selection courses. Um, and I was the youngest guy at the time, age 23 to make it through the unit, to the unit, um, to make it through selection and out of the 82nd, Okay, I was just a grunt. I didn't have any special forces background, ranger background, only been in the Army for four years, and uh, I pulled it off. So why did I pull it off? Because I trained for it. Um, I knew what I was up against, and, um, you know, and, and so I created a program for it to get me through it. And so you know, I do offer that. You can, um, you can hit me up on uh, – there's a couple of ways to find me, but one is our website, Tier 1 Performance Coaching. Um, we have a website. We also have a Facebook page or you can, uh, email me at, uh, Dale at tier one performance And, you know, I have that available. So yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, to, link,
1: I'll link that you guys, to him. Yeah. Yeah. If you guys
0: want to go through selection. If you're looking at, you know, you know, what can they do to better themselves, prepare themselves? I run, I run an entire curriculum on that. Um, not just the physical fitness part, but the mindset piece of it that goes along with it, um, which will increase your chances of success a thousand percent for mm-hmm. sure.
1: Hell yeah, yeah. I'll I'll link that to him. Okay. Oh, yeah. So kind of, I think this is the kind of thing. How do you get chosen to go through selection for the Delta Force? I feel like it's kind of. I guess. Well, I don't know. How do you How do you get chosen for selection? So we just you just talked about how to get through selection. Yeah. Do you, do so, you get chosen, or does it just happen?
0: Yeah, to get selected, here's what's got to happen. Um, first of all, you have to meet the minimum standards. Um, they know what the minimum standards are. They they canvass all the military records and they look for guys. You know. You have to have a GT score of at least 110, um, no UCMJ um, action ever against you, um, no judicial punishment. You have to have a a minimum rank, I believe, E5, minimum age of 22. So there's there's a bunch of prerequisites. And uh, so if you meet all those, then you can actually apply to try out. And actually the application process is lengthy as well. It includes background checks, um, includes PT tests, tests. it includes psychological evaluations. So there's quite a bit that goes into that as well. Just that's before you even get selected. Right. And if you pass all that stuff, then you get to go, you get to come to assessment selection. Right. So, so then you go through the next round, which is the physical part, which you go through the selection process. Um, And so that's, you know, several weeks. um, And, it's very physical. And again, it's, you know, limited information. And basically um, you're on the same plane as everybody else because the way you're evaluated, everybody has the same, um, you're trained in the same area, right? So, so everybody has a fair chance, right? Just because you're a green beret and the other guys, you know, infantry doesn't mean infantry guys, you know, disadvantaged, Mm -hmm. you're going to have, it's going to be a level playing field. And basically they're going to evaluate your heart and your soul. Um, it's going to come down to. And, uh, your ability to cope, et cetera, with the unknown, and and uh, really kind of cope with yourself, man, because you're going to learn a lot about who you are and who you're not. Um, and then, you know, then if you make it through all, just through that piece along the selection, then you got to go through the board, commander's board. You got to go through a psychological evaluation again, um, you know. And then, uh, if you make it through all that, then you then you get to go to the operator training course, which is at least another six months, and even that's an evaluation, right? You graded and evaluate it throughout that thing. Um, then you go through another commander's board, another psychological evaluation, and then, and then if you're lucky, you get to walk across the hall, as we call it. And uh, and when you arrive to the squadron, your sergeant major, like mine, he told me, "Congratulations." Um, for making it this far, Delta is a continuous process. If you don't make, if you don't put out 110% every day, we don't need you. So you know, so it's never selections never over, um, but you have to start somewhere. Um, so if you're interested, you know, you need to look look up the SFODD uh, recruiter, and uh, usually they're traveling around and they're doing their interviews and stuff like that. And usually, if you already uh, meet the prerequisites, they'll send you a letter um, telling you so. So. Um, it's a lengthy process, um, you know, it, but if you want it bad enough, you'll, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll you'll stay the course, man, and do what you got to do to get through it.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, and you can become, shout out to Comstock, read American Badass, I'll link that too. You <laughs> can read right. the Badass story, you got to do all of that before you can become the American Badass. That's right,
0: <clears throat> that's right. So
1: this one, this one's a, a, a lengthy question. What does what does Dale Comstock think about the Al Baghdadi raid? You don't have to mention this, but from the tactic standpoint, um, tactical call out, direct assault, MWD slash CAD slash K nine, semi contained suicide vest explosion in Baghdadi's work in progress escape tunnel. Just generally, how do, what does or what does Dale think about that raid? Does it make him proud? What does he think about the surround, contain, and call out tactics all around? What are his thoughts on the Baghdadi raid? <laughs>
0: Well, um,
1: if you need me to read it back, yeah,
0: ahead. no, no, I, I get it all. And so the the thing that kind of jumps out at me is the, is the call out tactics. I've seen that done before, and I I personally don't uh, I don't support it for a lot of reasons, but uh, namely because once you surround a compound and you basically say, hey, you come out with your hands up, and you know, what if they don't come out? Now you've already given them a tactical advantage. Um, you've given them the opportunity to dig in um read their IDs, whatever the hell they, they got prepared for you know so um i'm i'm a speed surprise violence of action guy that was always the fundamentals of CQP. um and um you know I, I remember going out in 2003 with uh, one of the special forces teams at the compound i was at and uh they, they weren't allowed to, do, they were only allowed to do soft knocks during the daytime. In other words, they had to go to the compound, knock on the door, say, excuse me, Mr. Badman, um, we're here to come and get you, would you please come outside and please don't start a fight? Um, you know, that type of shit. And I thought, man, you know, how stupid is that? Because one, what if they don't come out? Two, what if they go, you know, they score out, they go through their tunnels or whatever, man, right? It just, a, I just thought it was a bad idea. Mm. But I wasn't limited to any of that because of who I worked for and the things I had to do. So I was like, they asked me if I would come along and and participate with my guys um, to help them. And so what I would do is I'd always I always explosively breached. You know what? When I knock on your door, it's going to sound like ten pounds of C four. Um, you know, and and if you're standing on the other side waiting for me, you're going to eat a door on the way as I come through the door. You know. So that was my philosophy. You know, if I got to come and get you, you're already an asshole, and you know whatever you get, you get. You
1: know. Yeah.
0: Um, you know, and so. You know, you have to weigh it all out. You know, we can say, oh, but what about the poor babies and the children? You know, well, you know, God, you know, what about my babies and my yeah. children? Right. Yeah. And so uh, I want to come back and see them as well. So, you know, we can talk this all day long, you know, and I hate the bleeding hearts, you know, the liberals and, you know, you got to be nice to the bad man <laughs> and he might be nice to us. It's bullshit. Yeah. To right? me, people die because of that. And yeah. uh, so I, I'm not a fan of the call out. Never have been. Um, never. I don't see a tactical advantage to it. Um, you know, I, I, think you're setting yourself up for bigger failures and, uh, you know, what if, you know, what if, you know, the, the, the bad guys are smart and they learned their teeth, really fast, man. And guys were getting killed in, a, in Iraq because they figured out how we were entering rooms and doing CQBs. So they were preparing for it, you know? Um, and so, you know, people had to, we have to keep changing our tactics. Every time we change their tactics, they change their tactics, you know, it's, you know, it's tit for tat, um. To me, call-outs are a bad idea, but uh, I, the braid, yeah, great. When, you know, I, I didn't expect any less. Um, the unit's always been very successful at its raid. You, they've done more raids than you know you'll ever know. Um, you know, the seals talk about how great they are. Um, they can't even walk in the shadows of Delta. Uh, not even close. Oh, yeah. And uh, you know, there's a difference between the quiet professionals and the, and the loud mouths. And I say that, and I don't care. Uh, <laughs> you might piss some people off out there if you're a seal fan, but uh, the reality is the reality. Um, you know, SEAL Team Six got its beginnings from Delta. Delta's the one that went over there, trained them, gave them the TONE, and, and got them their startup. And uh, and the reality is, there's a lot of missions that SEALs did not get, um, and basically were sidelined because it always went to Delta. Um, so without getting all in all that crap, yeah. don't get me wrong. <clears> I like spirit. I got good a lot of SEAL <laughs> friends, but uh, you know, I got to call it the way I see it. Fuck yeah. So you know, tactics wise, you know, I thought the unit did great, but I wouldn't expect anything less. Um, they're never going to be perfect. Nobody's perfect. People make mistakes. You just make mistakes. Intel's wrong. Things change on the ground. But, uh, you know, this goes to my point about earlier about, you know, with Delta operator being special forces, you know, it's not about the equipment. Um, it's, you know, in the uniform and the beret and in the, in the, you know, in the title operator, it's about the man. Mm-hmm. Um, can he think fast enough? Can he adapt to the situation? You know, there's a saying about Delta operators, you know, um, it, you know, Delta operators aren't necessarily the best guys but they're the right guys. Okay. Mm. So that's, what's important. Right. Um, and what does that mean? The right guy, the right guy that can think, um, can act unilaterally can work as a team, but can think his way through, you know, challenges and come out on the other and prevail and never quit going to win one way or another, you know, whatever it takes. Yeah. Fuck yeah.
1: Number eight, another question. Um, well, and this guy asked a couple questions, so I'll come back to those to make sure we get the other ones. Which unit did you enjoy your time with the most and why? Thank you for the interview, Mr.
0: Comstock. What was that? What did what, what, what? Which
1: unit did you enjoy your time with the most and why? Thank you for the interview, Mr. Comstock.
0: Um, you know, I enjoyed my time with Delta, but I also <clears> enjoyed my time with 3rd Special Forces Group. I had an A-team there. And the reason I like my A-team is because in special forces, we didn't get all the cool gear and all the equipment and all the money that we had in Delta. Delta was a tier one unit. Tier one means we were always in a state of war, even in peacetime, so we were funded as such. Mm. Um, so we had all the we we had endless amounts of money, and, uh, and we got to do a lot of cool training and equipment, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Special forces, not so much. So when I got to a special forces team, you know, my guys didn't have as many opportunities to train in certain things and be as good as a Delta guy, um, but. Um, I was able to impart my knowledge on them and train them on a lot of different things that they normally wouldn't have gotten. Um, and the other thing I liked about Special Forces, Green Berets, is by far I think they are the best Special Forces unit, bar none, because they are so diverse. You have a 12-man ODA. You've got communications guys. You've got weapons guys. You've got medics. Um, you've got engineers. You've got a war officer. You've got an intel sergeant. You, you know, so you, they're, it's a, you know this, we speak foreign languages. Um, We have multiple missions. In fact, my team, my my Special Forces A team, I was a water infiltration team. Um, I had the first ground mobility vehicles, the desert mobility vehicles that I've set up. Um, We did, we were a rucksack team. Um, We had about, we were also a permissive Halo team. So, you know, we jumped Halo operations. So we had about five different missions that we did alone just on my team. And we were a Portuguese speaking team with our area of operations being uh, Iraq and Angola which is how cool is that you know yeah. we go to portugal all the time just to learn portuguese language so you know but a special forces A team has to have a lot of skills um mm. to be very proficient i them. you know the combo guy which my son by the way he's a green beret he's also a communications guy you know he's got to know a lot of radios um digital radios satellite radios uhf everything man he's got to be a, a radio guru the medics by far the best medics in the world mm. um You know, these guys are trained to do everything from, you know, veterinary care to, you know, dental work to delivering babies, you know, you name it, you know, the engineers, you know, they're doing, you know, they build stuff, they blow stuff up, you know, Um, you know, so everybody has a You know, they has a lot of training, a lot of, you know, uh, education in their, in their MOS far beyond what most guys will get, you know, like in a SEAL unit or, you know, Delta Mm. or or Rangers, things like that. So to me, I think the Green Berets are by far the most diverse, uh, probably the best trained special forces out there, bar none. Uh, So.
1: Hell yeah. Um, How has CQB changed over your time in SOF? What would you say was the most significant of these changes?
0: Um, you know, we in the early days we used to train on you know um, <laughs> points of domination, basically running the walls, right, Point, picking out points of domination in the corners, um, you know, and sectoring off the, the, the rooms. Well, what we found out was, you know, we trained on that all the time, and then when we started deploying for real in combat, you know, we started realizing that. Um, well, it's not so easy to run the walls in a room from one corner to the other corner because you've got things like, oh, furniture, tables. I've even had to run over cows and goats standing in the, the dagon house in my way, right? So it doesn't work. So, you know, everybody started going to strong wall. Um, you know, just basically strong wall on one wall. And then I started realizing that doesn't always work either. A lot of times teams just end up, in the doorway, kind of doing a, um, um, kind of a blossoming effect, guns in all directions and clearing the room from the doorway as they're trying to inch their ways in. And then you have, you know, the next technique where guys were pying off the room, you know, from the outside, clearing as much as they could from the outside, and then entering the room. So, you know, the techniques keep evolving and keep changing. Um, but, uh, regardless of the technique you use, I think, you know, some things are just fundamental that you can't get away with and that's SP surprise, violence of action. Um, I've added one more, nobody else, use this as i do but it's called momentum um you know once you get that train gets to rolling man you keep it rolling and i you know never let a guy in a room by himself you got to flood the room as many guns as you can at one time and uh and basically just you know overwhelm the uh the adversary with speech you know surprise and bonds of action man and just keep running him down and pose Mm. your will until you get you're done with that room and then you go into the next one so Mm. um You know, it's evolutionary, but uh, we've learned a lot over the years, and uh, every time we change techniques, the bad guys adapt, which causes us to change our techniques again.
1: Yeah. This one, this one's not really a question. I can't imagine anything more fucking terrifying than Dale bursting through a door. (laughs) 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 That wasn't a question. That was just a comment.
0: (laughs) Agreed. So here's a funny story, right? So I go busting through his room in Iraq one time. So I like to be the first guy in, man. I always, you know, even with my Iraqis and my Afghanis, you know, you know, I just love taking the point, going through the doorway the first time, um, being the first one through. And I remember busting through his bedroom door and, uh, Freaking guy didn't even know we were coming, man. And he's on his bed with his girl and he's knocking it out, man. I mean he's went on I busting in there. And and you think he would like get off the damn bed and get off of her, you know, maybe grab a gun or at least, you know, holster his other gun in the yeah. underwear. But uh, he didn't. And uh so <laughs> I remember I'm just standing there with the rest of the team looking at this guy and he's looking at me like like Hey, come on, like, come on, <laughs> you know? And come on, jamming bro. Uh, <laughs> i my rifle, my HK-16 into his forehead. Like, get the hell off of him now, you know? I'll let the air out of you. Actually, I wanted to get up so I could take a look at her real quick. Yeah. She came up and broke the corner, you know? And uh, he had money and guns laying all over Yeah, the place. He was oh, he killed a lot of He killed a lot of Americans, actually. Yeah. I should have shot him, but of uh, course I couldn't. Um, but, yeah, so he was a little surprised, but... Uh, not surprised he wanted to keep on he like hey let me get, yeah. get my last shot off. come on bro yeah
1: i'm going to Guant- <laughs> yeah i'm going to guantanamo bay come on dude no you're going to get plenty of action there it's just going to be from your <laughs> cellmates <laughs> uh, um okay yeah we went through that went through that what are um what are some of the big, biggest weaknesses you have experienced with limited penetration can you name a situation where you had to go dynamic? Thank you for doing this, Mr. Gong. <clears throat>
0: um, I'm not sure what you mean by limited penetration. Other than, I guess, uh, like you know, do turning the doorknob and trying to push my way in, or maybe re- using a ram or something like that, or maybe ballistic breaching with a shotgun. Um, you know, I, I'm like this. If I know the bad guys are on the other side, um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go dynamic every time why risk it right unless you know it's a room with you know one bad guy and i know there's 20 little kids in there then you know we might have to reconsider that but uh, that's rarely the case um and usually when you know you do something like that when you go when you go hit a target you hit usually your intel is good enough that you know what to expect on the other side you know for example a lot of the raids that we used to do i used to do was you know two three o'clock in the morning four o'clock in the morning we've watched the you know the target for a while everybody's sound asleep. There's no activity, you know, and uh, so we had a pretty good idea that, okay, there's nobody in the living room, in the front door, or the back door, in that window, you know, that we have to really worry about, but mm. we're still going to, still going to try to get that shock and surprise, right, that explosion, you know what it's like to get woken up in the middle of the night when a freaking door charge goes off in your house, you know, um, it takes a second to kind of get reoriented, and that's what I need, I need yeah. to get you, let you reorient while you're doing that, I'm, you know, I'm put, I'm letting the air out of you, so, yeah. Um, but you know never say never sometimes you know most of my most of my breaches are explosive now i've i've shotgun breached um yeah, the reason i don't like shotgun breaching that much is because you're standing in front of the door with a shotgun and when the door opens up you might have you might be in a gunfight with several other people all you got is a gun a shotgun you know and and now you're trying to transition to a handgun or trying to get your um, carbine around um, or you're trying to get out of the door so everybody else can get in uh-huh. it's just kind of complicated man um, I believe in positive entry and um, I've seen where the charges that did not go off or there was not enough ass in the charge or the shotguns just wasn't getting the job done. So now you spend more time out there trying to reset and, and try to get through that door. And, and, you know, and the longer you're sitting out in front of that fatal funnel, man, you know, more things can go wrong and you're giving the guy on the inside more time mm. to get up his nerve to, um, you know, the host as you're coming through.
1: Mm. Um <clears throat> let's see yeah so um how does how does Dale think the unit's CQB has changed after some of the bigger operations in Panama and Somalia and how do they come up with the free flow style of QCB? and who influenced the or sorry CQB and who influenced their CQB tactics the most <clears throat>
0: um actually the unit man is um for the unit has always been um what's the word I'm looking for? They pioneered, they pioneered CQB. What you see today in the way of CQB has from its them. origin from the unit, man. Okay. That's all we did was study. What's the best way to clear a room? You know, we'd create all kinds of scenarios with people in it. Um, you know, what if this, what if that? And we, th- you know, we thought it through, it was like, well, what has the best chance for success? Right. So, you know, the, the whole idea of running the points of domination, you know, the whole idea was, you know, the, the first guy the number one guy he's running the corners you know he's running long and everybody's hopefully watching him and, and drawing down on him to shoot him while they're doing that the number two guys coming through you know and he's popping to everybody else you know and so you know a lot of thought went into this and it's just like uh, coming up with um you know plays for a football team you know and um and of course you know iraq changed a lot of things um because the bad guys were getting smarter. Um, they knew, you know, they knew, you know, what, what the unit was doing and then, uh, you know, so they started countering it. So that, that required other things like, um, you know, um, you know, breaching with a goddamn tank, you know, first, you know, and then going in. Yeah. so, you know, a lot of things had to change, um, you know, but, um, and they're always evolving, man. And, you know, in every situation and every war, you know, things are going to be a little bit different. So. You know, it depends on a lot of things like structures of the buildings, you know, what you might encounter in that environment, Um, you know, but ultimately the unit, you know, like I said, that's their, this is what they do, man. This is what they're really good at and, and, and they, and they study it, they plan it, they study it and they adapt, you know, it's, um, it's when I say, you know, free flow is it free flow. Um, It's kind of free flow to a point, but it's actually, you know. It's also organized free flow. You know, there's a process to it. And, a, and a single, the single most important pro piece of that process is the man mm-hmm. on that team, okay? Control. And so, for example, you would think, oh, we've got to have a good team leader. Team leader's controlling everything. You know, as long as you've got a good team leader, you can, you can, you know, flow properly, blah, 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 blah. Actually, it doesn't come down to the team leader. Um, we would like to think it's the team leader's in charge. Actually, it's always, it's always the number one guy that's going to go through the door, whether he's going in the room or going out of the door that's making that call what's the best what's the best call um for example when a routine goes into a room um i always tell the number three or number four guy the guy closest standing to the door he's now in charge why because he has the best view of the room he also knows what's out in the hallway which direction they're going um so basically he's controlling the room and now he's going to control the direction of flow right um so it's not necessarily the team leader um, it could be the lowest guy on the mm. team, right? So that requires every man on the team to be able to think like a team leader, understand their tactics techniques, procedures, um, and be able to take charge of that team and run that operation from that to the next room in that next building. Mm. Um, that is the difference between conventional and unconventional. That is why you just can't take, regular army guys and slap a green beret on them and call them an operator and yeah. give them a cool gun and think they can do the same operations and the same missions as a delta force operator for example yeah. um ain't gonna happen because it always comes down to the man and that's why the selection is so stringent right as i said a little while ago they don't pick the best man they pick the right man mm. okay we need thinkers in fact they always tells us no tc um we we need thinkers who are shooters not shooters who yeah. can think sometimes. We I mean, need thinkers who are just shooters, yeah. right? And that's the key. That's the key difference, and that's why the selection process is so difficult, so stringent. Um, you know, the, there's a psychological evaluation. There's a lot that goes into this thing because uh, um, because the stresses and the pressures you're going to be placed under, either unilaterally or as a team, are huge. They're probably the most Tremendous situations and, and pressures you could ever find yourself in, mm. and if you can't operate in that, if you're going to fold, if you're going to you know, wimp out and whatever, um, you could cost a lot of people their lives plus the mission. Mm. Hell yeah,
1: you're a walking encyclopedia. <laughs> you got everything. <clears throat> what okay? What are uh, Dale's thoughts on elite tactical LE units like the HRT, I guess hostage rescue team? Have they known any individuals in their time with OGA that had a background like that? And how did they adapt to military and paramilitary operations? It's kind of a three-part
0: question. Yeah, so like with HRT, I've worked with them before. Uh, The difference with HRT is, they have a different uh, criteria um, for selection. So they tend to be, you know, FBI guys are all college graduates, tend to be officers or former officers in the military. um, You know, and basically their real bread and butter was being fbi agents right investigators blah blah, blah. and now they're going to be a hostage rescue team they you know i'm not going to say they're bad when i was working with them they weren't great they got a lot of their training from us um again you know they adapted a lot of our weapon systems things like that and tactics and techniques and procedures but uh it always comes back to the man that's what it comes back Mm -hmm. to and even there i don't care if you are no disrespect to my fbi agent friends out there um You know, but it really, you know, you, there are good ones out there, but as a collective man, you've all got to be pretty much on the same level. Um, You're only as good as the weakest guys on your team. And, you know, that's the, so, you know, HRT. Okay. They're good. They're good for what they do. Um, You know, are they on the same level as Delta? No. Or seal team six. Absolutely not. Um, Are they good for what they do statewide? Yes. Um, You know, they're getting better. Um, they're getting smarter, but uh, um, my experience is that they were still learning when I was working with them, and uh, where they are today, I, I don't know. I'd be speaking out of turn. I don't know, but um, you no. Know, here's what you got to remember: this they're used for used for conus operations, right? You have you have a I don't know some kind of a hostage rescue, a big scenario with terrorists here in the United States. You know that's where they're going to get called in. However, the reality of the fact is, and I already know this for a fact. Is and I won't say why I know this, but the reality is if it's something big enough, um, they're going to call in the unit. They're going to call yeah. in Delta. They're going to call in the big guns, the big boys, and do it um, just because of the number of assets that we have, the capabilities, the experience, the real combat experience. I mean, years and years of real combat experience. Um, they're going to go, you know what? Let's, let's push you guys aside for now. We'll make you guys containment or something else yeah. for now let's bring these guys and we have to guarantee that we're going to save a lot of lives yeah. and not throw this up because it, you know, you know, a little ego thing is going on yeah. here. So, or it might be, you know, it might be, you know, a, you know, a joint operation. I don't know. Um, yeah. but you know, everybody's got their uh, responsibility. Unit, the Delta so unit is overseas. Obviously FBI is conus, but that doesn't mean the unit can't work in conus, you know, when they wait, posse come So yeah. very possible. Yeah. Very yeah. likely.
1: Yeah. 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 If shit <laughs> went down yeah. at like the white house or the Capitol. Yeah, they're going to be flying in Delta. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to fuck around, and no one's going to no one's going to protest to that. Yeah, and if they do, they're fucking communists. So, <laughs> um, in regards to uh, in regards to his former profession, can Dale comment at all on the growth that their former OGA unit ground branch underwent during the global war on terror? More importantly, what does the future look like? Will they be the most active of all units moving forward as the raw as the Wars draw down, and I commented when I posted this that you don't comment on anything with OGA. So I'm not sure if you want to just skip that question.
0: Uh, I'll just say what I know that <laughs> I can say. Um, <clears throat> so from what okay, those guys are they're not just. Okay, there's no OGA ground branch school that you go through. and you're, Hey, you know, I'm a GP or like I'm a Delta Force guy or yeah, it's AR Seal. Um, it's a, it's basically. They, you know guys come in from different backgrounds right yeah. and it like anything else you know certain skill sets are um uh, you know require some you know more desirable um not just skill sets but also you know it comes it always comes back to the man okay it always comes back down to the man you know the the agency you know just like the special forces and delta you know they have very uh, ex- extensive background investigations polygraph tests so there's a lot of hurdles you got to get through just to be there, you know. They're not necessarily for the best man; they're looking for the right man, right? Mm-hmm. And and so, um, yeah, I, we used to always, you know. So when I was in the army, you know, I used to always think, man, Delta's like the final frontier. You know, if I can get to, you know. Special Forces and Delta's like man, I'm on the top, you know. Yeah. And then I heard about this other place called Ground Branch. i like, really? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what you know? Okay, there's another place, right? And actually, that's not even the peak. Pier- that's not even the pinnacle. To me, it's the not? pinnacle has always been has always been, you know what? You can go to, to war with Delta and have you know helicopters yeah. and medics and all kinds of cool assets behind you to you know pull your ass out of a jam if you need it. You can go to CIA and they'll have tons of money and buy your way out of shit, you know. Yeah. Or they bring in the military to bail you out. I said, but what would it be like to be on the ground by yourself, mano a mano, with the same shit the bad guy has? No backup, no big military behind you, no money, no way out. It's just you and him. Be a mercenary. That was the ultimate frontier, that, yeah. and I've been there and done that. I've been on the I've been on the battlefield. With three other, with three other Americans um, and an Arab, fighting it out with thousands of Al Qaeda, and it was just meeting them. Whatever I had, I had AK, I had an old Chinese Chicom AK 47 30 years old. i like them. Um, I'm wearing bandanas and freaking. I had no assets, no air, no air support, no medical support. If I got if I got shot, then I got shot. You know? Yeah. And uh, and well, that's probably where I'm going to lay and die. Yeah. And but to me, that was like the ultimate. Um, you know and it was legitimate these were legitimate missions it wasn't like going out there let me see how cool i am yeah uh, you know i actually worked for foreign governments um you know in furtherance of their global war on terrorism and uh they brought me and, and in this particular case 11 other guys 10 other guys seven of them from uh for legionnaires and uh, our job was to come in and give them a special force capability to strike missions for them because they didn't have the capability and uh so to me, that was the ultimate because mm. now I got to see, now I got to really test my soldier skills, um, my, my real drive and my real heart because I knew I'm out there all, all alone. There's, there's, there's no, no backup yeah. coming. There's no helicopters coming. There's no air support. If I get shot, I'm not going to a J-MAL and get patched up. Um, you know, if I do get rolled up, there's nobody coming to rescue me. Uh, if I get killed on the street, then they're probably just gonna chop my head off and leave me laying in the garbage somewhere, um, and nobody will know I was there. That's that's when you really see what you're made of. That's when you really <sighs> test your skills. Um, so, yeah. the, to me, that's the ultimate. I can't think of anything else. That, other that's, than maybe fighting aliens. Yeah, it does. No, come down. I'd like to fight them too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> test myself out against them. But what else is there, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, that's that would have to. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, because I had always thought it was like. You know, SEALs, like Rangers, Green Berets. And then like, as I like read more, I was like, oh, it's like Delta and DevGrew. And then as I read more, it was like, oh, it's this shadowy thing called Ground Branch for, you know, CIA, SAD. But yeah, I've always thought like, even talking to you and Joe Teddy a couple weeks ago, I just remember thinking, I wonder if there's something above that. Just, and it's kind of what you just described. It's, yeah, it's, you're going out and it's, Plausible deniability, Dale. Who you know? Hope you get back. I mean, that we, is... we
0: we infiltrated. We infiltrated one night from New York in a G five hundred jet, um, G five jet, in the middle of a desert, unmarked airfield, landed in the middle of the desert in the middle of the night. Got off, loaded the back with C one hundred and thirty. It has ramp down, engines running. That was only two airplanes on this in this desert. Got on it, flew off again, and went into uh, this place. And unloaded, went to our, had some tents waiting for us, got all our weapons, which was all bought off the, uh, um, literally bought off the market, I mean, at the at the bazaar. I mean, old rusty bullshit, yeah. you know, black market stuff, um, you know, and bought it, and that's what we used, man, to go, you know, go do, go do this job. And uh, jobs, actually, it was quite a few of them. And, um, you know, how cool is that? But yeah. it was that, you know, it was, there was nobody, I mean, nobody knew where I was. Um, nobody knew where I was. Not even my wife. Yeah. She thought I went off on a training mission somewhere. I'm just gonna go train some guys. Nobody knew. anybody knew. I mean, if I never that, came back, I'd have just disappeared yeah. off the face of the earth. Nobody would know unless I showed up on the news in a swimsuit. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that wasn't gonna happen either because I wasn't gonna let nobody catch me. Yeah,
1: then, so. that's yeah. That's literally being like the shadow of a shadow. That's. Yeah. Have you ever read um Black by Christopher Woodcomb? It's a book I read in high school and I love it. I recently read it again, I think last year. But it's about it's about operations like that. And it kind of goes to the different tiers. And then one guy gets selected to do stuff like that. And it's like there is no formal. But yeah, it's like you go to like a tarmac at JFK. You get on like a business jet. You go to Cutter, and then you jump onto another jet and then you switch names. And then you get there and you recognize like one guy from Delta and it's just like, you know, you guys are wearing turbans and then you drop down into like a fishing boat and you insert here and it's literally yeah. Here's some like yeah, here's some rusty weapons from the low so there's no fingerprint. And he's like, Yeah, it is like it is the unspoken world. It is the truly plausible <clears throat> deniability. God damn it. Dale Comstock is Jason Bourne. You heard it here first. <laughs> Dude, you got, you got to write a book about that shit. American Badass was cool. Well, you...
0: I am. I'm actually writing this book, um, but I'm not going to write, I'm not going to make too much public because Obviously. I'm actually this for a movie script.
1: Fuck um, yes. It's Fuck gonna be yes. be a pretty badass movie. Fuck so. yes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yes. So excited. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, Tied to some of the questions above, are there really any differences? That's so. Fu- I'm sorry. That's just so fucking cool. <laughs> You're, you are the fucking American badass. God damn it. Getting so excited. Okay. Are there any real differences between green badgers and blue badgers in regards to that organization in terms of training and operation? I think he's referring to OGA. I don't know what any of this means. Is there yeah, any difference between blue yeah. Badgers?
0: Yeah. Everybody talks about green and blue, bad. green badgers are uh, contractors. Blue okay. badgers are staffers. Right? Okay. So there's a difference. Um, so one's on contract and one's, one's purpose okay. staff. Okay. And yeah. There's a different, there's actually a difference in responsibilities too. Um, so, okay.
1: Okay. Um, how was, is, how is adapting to the unit, uh, difficult in particular? How does it compare to operating in an SMU? And did the selection? I think he's. I think they're talking about OGA again. Did the selection process help ease the transition to that? I'm not sure if I'm. I'll just read the whole thing for Dale. How is it adapting to that unit in particular? How does it compare to operating in an SMU? And did the selection process help ease the transition?
0: Um, I'm gonna kind of guess at what he's. What they're trying to say. Man, once you make it through a certain point, like, you know, once you make it as a Delta operator, everything's easy. Yeah. Um, you know, basically, when I say it's easy, it's not that difficult. You have the confidence, you have the skill set, yeah. you have the knowledge. Um, <clears throat> everything's easy. I mean, you, you don't have to go through any more selection. Hmm. What other selection course could you possibly put me through, yeah. right, to test my metal what are you looking to test my heart? I yeah. mean, it's already been tested, you know, test my body. It's already been tested. Yeah. Um, test my will, my combat power prowess all it's already been tested. Right. Yeah. My intellect has all been tested. Okay. Um, you have to have a certain IQ, Yeah. Minimum IQ, you know, yeah. so I mean, I can go on all day. So, um, once you make it to a certain point, you know, you, you know, you can, man, the world is, uh, you know, it's open, man. I mean, you can do hmm. pretty much at that point. Yeah. You can
1: become Jason Bourne. um, <laughs> Let's see. Well, he's, he's got like 15 minutes left. I still got like 10 questions. Um, do you want to keep doing that? Cause I know you're on a time crunch. Yeah.
0: Let's go about another 10 minutes. Okay. Okay.
1: I'll get through what I can. And then for everyone that didn't get their question answered, sorry. Uh, maybe next time we'll throw them in. Um, <clears throat> for young guys today who want to ideally do that for a career, what sort of background would get them in the door today? Same applies for young military officers, be it USMC, USA SOC or AFSOC or NSW, and are most dudes former Tier one operators and officers like they say? So I think again, I think these are all referring to OGA
0: Yeah, so there's no um, I, I really probably shouldn't comment on that okay. because I wouldn't know all the real criteria. Um, I just put it this way it doesn't it always comes back down to it always comes down to the man okay, what you're made of and what you've proven, right? So, um, I mean, you can do anything you want if you're the right guy, okay, and irrespective of rank. Um, look, I can, I, from the civilian world, I'll give you an example. I, I went to a hiring conference. Um, a bunch of companies were there at this hotel for the weekend. Um, me and a bunch of other military guys were interviewing. We were all NCOs. We did, what we didn't know was that next door was a room with all officers interviewing also with the same companies. And find somebody go hey man what why are those guys over there and why are we over here and the guy in the, the host said, look he goes because those guys are all officers you guys are all NCOs and we're like yeah so what and they go well because corporate America sees those officers you know they see general custard sitting over there you know, with the butter bars on and, and pigtails right and uh, and they're the, they're the leaders and they go they look at you guys as you know the technicians you guys can turn wrenches and uh, so everybody took quite a bit of offense to that because of the 23 of us that were in the room Four of us had uh, college degrees, and I was the only one with a master's degree, and uh, and I had more combat experience, more troop leading experience than all those officers over there put together, hands down. Hmm. Right? So here's another, you know, here's another thing that people believe they believe that officers are leaders actually officers are executive managers the real leaders are non-commissioned officers um you know and that's the reality of it and but that's not how corporate america sees it that's not how america that's not how anybody else sees it they see every officer is general custard <laughs> yeah and uh and every nco unless a guy is sad sack right yeah Take order. but uh um So, you know, my attitude was, well, you know, whatever, um, I will get the job on my own merit. I don't have to be an officer. And, and sure enough, that's what ended up happening. I ended up getting a very high level superintendent position, executive position with a a company, a Fortune 250 company, way over all those officers. Not because, you know, I was an officer, I was Mm. an NCO, but Mm. because I proved myself, my, my credentials spoke for me and based on my merits, and the way I presented myself, that got me through the door that I need to go through, right? Mm-hmm. So and that was the, that's another example in the world where it doesn't matter, it doesn't always matter what kind of, what you're wearing on your shoulder. It um, doesn't matter all the time what organization you came from. Um, What really matters is who you are right? I'm not defined people define me as a Delta Force operator That's what makes me who I am. Actually. It's that was one of many things. I have been right. Mm -hmm. That's my past I was a green beret. I was a work an 82nd um I'm a doctor. yeah, got a master's degree. PhD. I can go on day, all day long, right? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, all, I was a professional boxer.
1: Canine I can trainer. Boxer, yeah.
0: Fighter, canine trainer. I can go on, yeah. and on, on and on and on and on, right? And so, I'm not defined by any one thing, okay? I'm, I'm basically defined by who am I today and who do I, who, what's, who, how do I present myself to you and mm. what can I do for you, you know? Mm. And so, that's what's important, right? So, some of my coaching clients, um, you know, I got a guy that I spoke with last night. He's, He's like, man, I'd really like to be able to do more in life, but I just don't have your kind of experience. Well, you don't have to have my experience, okay? You just have to create your own experience. And, you know, like in business particularly, in the business world, it's not what you know so much as who do you know? Do they Mm -hmm. like and respect you, right? Because Mm -hmm. you can find the skill sets, right? You can always develop that. Um, It's the same thing with, you know, working for the government agencies and things like that. Yeah, you need skill sets, right? Um, You need certain things. They're not going to just hire you because of your, your personality, you know? And, uh you know, you're the prettiest girl in the bunch. They're going to, you know, you got to have something else to bring to the table, obviously. Yeah. But I can tell you every guy that's been in organizations like that, um, there were guys that's like way, skills level wise, were way down here and I was way up here. Yeah. And it wasn't just because of the skills, man. It was because of up here, the mindset, um, the drive, um, you know, were they calculated risk takers. Could they think? Um, there's a lot of other factors to go to go into you know what makes the guy the right guy and not mm. necessarily the best guy right mm. what makes you the right guy okay you could be the best at everything and be a total turd yeah. right <laughs> and so really you could be the best goddamn shot run faster than anybody you know but
1: well, you're an asshole yeah you're an
0: asshole nobody likes you nobody can work with you yeah get you right? you're
1: invaluable you're yeah you're right. you're worthless yeah
0: right it comes down to the right guy what makes you the right guy Sure. Not necessarily the best guy.
1: What makes you the right guy? Yeah, fuck yeah. Um, all right. Well, we've still got like ten questions, and I know you got a call in, yeah, a, right. couple, in a couple of minutes. So um, yeah. So I think we'll uh, we'll cap it at that. Okay. It that. And then yeah, you we, know,
0: can... we can always pick this up some other time. Yeah,
1: yeah. And um, you still down to talk on on Sunday?
0: Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. Yep. About conditioning. <laughs> yeah, we can you know, touch on these. There's only a couple more left. Um, but yeah dr dale comstock phd american badass buy his fucking book it's worth it i promise it's like i've said in every episode with you it's fucking hilarious it's there i was knee deep in it no it's there i was vomiting lobster <laughs> yeah it's yeah it's, it's the yeah thousand yeah thousand yard stare because i'm fucking like i have food poisoning yeah yeah it's fucking hilarious and as always it's yeah it makes you more realistic it compare myself like okay i can identify with that um yesterday i had on tony tedeschi a guy i work out with who uh was a first responder on 9-11 and uh he said that uh he said we're no dale Comstocks, we're not and i, was, and, I and i was just like hey man i guarantee you dale dale would give you props because i mean he was he was digging and you know pieces of his friends out of the rubble world trade center yeah. and um he's talking about how we're just ordinary men doing we're just in an extraordinary situation and i said that's what dale mentions in his book Said some of the sure. best guys he saw were, you know, his Afghans and sandals. He said these guys, you know, they'd have their dick in their hand in one minute, but he's like, when bullets started flying, you'd see these guys, and you're like, they just stepped up to the plate. They just they yeah. became warriors. So uh, right. yeah. So give give Tony a shout out for uh, FDNY. Right. Give sure. Short... Yes,
0: yeah. <laughs> All right, Tony man. Yeah. yeah. I uh, look forward to meeting you someday, brother. Yeah,
1: fuck yeah, yeah. No, he loves you. I, I ain't no Dale Comstock, but you know we I was like, fuck you, Dale would love you. <laughs> I'm, uh yeah. So um, <laughs> tier one tier one operators, uh Dale Comstock and Joe Tedi. You do the um the 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 plan to help uh get people prepared for selection. I'll link that. And um
0: Yeah, yeah we do uh, performance coaching, professional per- and personal performance coaching on uh tier T one tier one, uh personal coaching and um our- performance coaching. And I do have a a program on there just for uh, getting guys ready for the selection process. In fact, I've got a couple guys right now that are going or preparing to go through the Q course. And uh, another guy that wants to go through the Q course ultimately wants to go through selection. So um, I do have that program. I can help uh, mentor you that, not just the physical fitness part, but the mental part. Um, I won't give you the secrets of what you got to do every day because uh, that's what makes the secret. That's what makes yeah. the unit so unique. Um, in fact, nobody really knows the secret. I don't even know the secret. I don't even know the times. Nobody knows the times except a, a very couple a couple guys on the very top, and that thing is like the best kept secret yeah. ever anywhere, man. And yeah. so and it's there for a reason um, because they want to make sure what they pick the right guy, mm. right? Yeah, because the, they want to pick the best guy that knows all the the times of g2 there right yeah of course he's, he made it yeah but he's not the right guy because he's a you know he's a cheater so yeah um but i can definitely prepare you for it um and if you got you know if you got the metal and uh, you have the heart and you have the drive you really want it bad enough then i can help you get there fuck yeah
1: del comstock thank you for your time sir as always it's a pleasure, yeah, and it's hilarious. I love talking to you. so It's fucking great. It's fantastic. All right, Dale. Uh, all right. Stay safe during coronavirus, and you and I will talk again on Sunday. I'll send you a link when this is up. I know that they're all going to appreciate it. Thank you, yes, Dale. Sir. Peace. Take care. Bye-bye.